Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast as we continue previewing every single ACC football team. Talking season continues, even though, Mac, we are getting close. I know every morning you wake up, you probably have a calendar right next to your bed. You cross off a day as we're getting closer and closer to college football season. I, I have a little countdown clock, countdown to kickoff, and you know it sometimes gets confusing. Is it my alarm? Is it just you know it's a piece of uh, you know fun fanhood that I have right there? But yeah, we're close, KG. Let's go! I cannot wait. Uh, we're right here, and I'm getting excited. I'm getting jacked up. Uh, Pack Pride, shout out on Twitter, uh, tweeted the other day saying, "Hey, we're right here. Can't wait." Uh, I retweeted it, and and they said, "Hey, we're packing the house." I cannot wait to see it. It's gonna be so much fun. I love all the puns there. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Today's episode, Eric McLean, we are talking the Pitt Panthers and the NC State Wolf Pack. The Panthers and the Pack. Those two actually go well together. I know that NC State has a Tuffy. It's adorable live mascot. I don't know why Pitt doesn't have a live Panther. We need to get on that. Um, every school should have a live mascot. Clemson needs a live tiger. I agree. Like, let's, we need to get Pitt HR on the phone. Uh, my guy EJ pretty much runs the football department there. What, what are you doing, guys? Like, let's get a live panther in that. Yeah, what I mean, could go wrong? That, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I don't know. Just a big, powerful cat. Nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at all. Over. All right. So let's talk Pittsburgh here, Eric McLean. Head coach Pat Narduzzi, the Narduz, seventh season at Pitt. Last year, they went 6-5, and 5-5 five, five and five in the ACC. A solid year, especially in COVID year. Maybe a little underwhelming at times. We thought they could win a few more games. They had injuries. Kenny Pickett was playing on, like, a broken foot and all these different types of things. Last year, their wins came over Austin P, Syracuse, Louisville, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech. Zero preseason all-ACC team members, which was surprising to me, Mac. And they were picked fourth in the Coastal when you saw, I know your voting, really both of our votings were very similar to what was released. Um, but was it surprising that there weren't any Pitt Panthers on the preseason All-ACC team? Uh, just at one position, and that was Jordan Addison. Yeah. You know, being such a special player. Everybody else, you know, I, I think going to be loaded on the second team and have some good, you know, some some great presence on a second team if there was one for preseason, which – those guys will be all throughout when it comes to postseason. But, you know, I think that kind of goes back to our discussion a couple of weeks ago, Kelly, that the ACC ballot needs to change a little bit and that the AP position needs to have more players and it needs to have wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, whoever you want that position to be. It should almost be a fill in the blank instead of, you know, a drop down arrow with four guys and you have to pick one of the four because Jordan Addison would have been the AP. And before, you know, the, those selections came out and when I was kind of going through who I thought should be where he was my AP but of course he was not a choice in the official ballot so he could not be there but he's a special player and I think he's going to take huge steps forward 
again, on, on our ACC tour, I got to go to both of these schools. So a lot of fun to see them up close in person. Jordan Addison, he's a locked in guy. You know, we were trying to get him to answer these questions and go to in depth and, you know, talk about different things here and there. He's all football and he gave very eloquent answers, but it was just very short, very to the point, And he wants to get on that field and go dominate. So I'm excited for that young man, excited for him in this second year. And, you know, having a cast of wide receivers beside him and a great tight end and Lucas Kroll, that it, it's you can't give all your attention to Addison. You've got to focus on other guys as well. Before we dive into Kenneth Pickett, the seventh, and his 17th <laughs> year of college football, as you mentioned on the ACC road trip, you were able to go to Pittsburgh and NC State. We'll talk about state in, in the second half of this podcast, but tell us more about your trip to Pittsburgh. I know, Mac, you ate a steak that was maybe the size of your head, <laughs> which is not shocking. Right. That's right. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun, Kelly, because that was the first time I'd ever been to Pittsburgh. And so when the assignments came out, you know, and I saw my name beside Pitt, I was really excited just to go up there. I, I love the team, love the personnel, the coaching staff, the, the support staff that's at Pittsburgh. I've had a really just great interaction with them in our three years, two and going on three with this network. So it was good to just go visit them and go sit with them and to be able to, uh, you know, sit in a position meeting. I got to sit in the O-line position meeting and was just so fun to kind of go back in time and take myself back to being a player and to sit in that meeting and to see why Pitt does what they do and and why they do uh, certain schemes and certain plays and formations and different things of that nature. And it was a lot of fun to see those guys, to be able to make your, you know, own opinion and, and, you know, expert analysis, if you will, in person preseason before everything starts, you know, I, hopefully next year we get to go to every team, all of us, and it's a bigger event and, and a lot of fun because I think of the success that we've had with this tour, uh, but they were all in uh, to, to it. And, and for us being there, they were jacked up. We were jacked up. So it, it was a lot of fun. And I'm very grateful for the folks at Pitt, you know, really just opening any and every door for us while we were there. That's awesome. That's what we love to hear. Okay, let's talk a little offense here, Mac, because this offense last year was pretty good. The issue was they were not balanced. They passed the ball all over the yard, but they couldn't really run it. Now, Kenny Pickett, 13 passing touchdowns last year. He also had eight rushing touchdowns. He threw nine picks. Um, so a pretty solid year. Again, had some injuries. But when you look at who they return, it feels like the passing game is still going to be the biggest strength with Shockey Jacques-Louis, Jordan Addison, Lucas Kroll, as you mentioned. Can we expect to see a more balanced pit attack, or is this a team that's still just going to rely on the pass? Well, let me tell you, again, going to practice and seeing it with my own eyes, I've really got to do kind of you know my own diagnosis of the team and, and see it up close and personal what they're going to do. Izzy Abanacanda is a freak of nature, guys. He is rocked up. He's going to be the starting running back based on what I saw uh, and, and I guess should have been a year ago, but some injuries, some COVID stuff kind of prevented him from really taking the spot. And, and Davis got the nod, Benson Davis, who, again, spectacular running back. But Izzy is just – he's different. He's gained some weight. He looks like a Marvel character running around there. He's got his pads tucked <laughs> out, you know, his 12-pack abs just busting out of the seams. And, and has the explosiveness and, and elusiveness that you want to see from a running back. So I think that there's going to be more of a commitment to the run just simply because of who they have in the backfield. Uh, but again, you've got to call it on Saturdays. You've got to put yourself in a position to where it's not expected, Kelly. We can't get into third and short, fourth and short, 
and have to run the ball because everyone knows what you're going to do. And it's it's just putting yourself at a bad situation. So I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of RPO game. I think we're going to see a lot of draw game you know, from Pitt because they do love to pass the ball so much. So I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling confident. The offensive line just, you know, has to step up, be better than average. And, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be in a solid spot running the football. That's good to hear. And I think that's some good insight there from Izzy. Abba. Say that last name Izzy for me again Abanacanda. <laughs> Abanacanda. Oh, man. That's, look, that sounds like the running back, y'all, to that's quote right. um, Petey. It's, it's almost one of those names, Kelly, where you just have to know it. You can't read it. Yeah, Because if you, you try to read, read it, it you're going to get crushed. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened to us perhaps once or twice here on this, that's right. this very pod. Okay, let's talk about Kenny Pickett for a second here. This guy, he's 23 years old. I looked it up just to, just to make sure how old he was. This is his fifth season, his fourth year as the starter. That's so wow. rare in college football. <laughs> what is that next step for Kenneth Pickett? Besides, of course, staying healthy, which we know is, is a big key. Right. Well, I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my first thing is, is just can he play a full season and can he be out there and, and you know just be the guy for his team, which, of course, last year banged up with the ankle. But I think just seeing him – at peak comfort level. I mean, you, you've been the guy in this offense now for, for three years, two years, and, and just understanding the processes, the checks, the balances, where to go, the outlets, uh, and making decisions really, really quickly. You know, I, I think, you know, making the easy throw is one thing, making those tight window fitted in there, show that you're an NFL guy is going to be the next step. And again, now that he has these burners back and, and he's been with these guys, you know, two to three years now, there should be a lot of comfort uh, throwing the ball and knowing how guys are going to run the route, where they're going to run the route, and he's going to have a great tight end in Lucas Kroll back, who who is you know freaky looking. He's six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds. Again, rocked up, really good looking tight end that you know just dealt with some injuries last year and, and unfortunately was not able to you know be at his peak or be at his best. And I, I think that was something that you know, Pittsburgh was really relying on. And, and so now that he's going to be fully healthy, I think we're going to see that just cohesiveness of cohesiveness of this offense and take it, uh, you know, to another level. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Kenny, you know, get better and better and better and really just prove that, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. Yeah, they've got the pieces. They've got the pieces. I think Jordan Addison, because he was left off the first team, you know, it's tough. You've got three really good wide receivers that were on that first team with Justin Ross, A. Flowers, and Jaquari Roberson. Would you put Addison fourth, or am I missing someone else in that fourth spot? Yeah, no, Addison is is my fourth. You know, coming out with my rankings all throughout summer, he he was the fourth guy, and he's so young. I mean, I fully expect by the time he leaves that he'd be at the top of this list, uh, you know, if he's a junior, senior, how long he stays around. But Taysier Mack, uh, Shockey Jacques-Louis, Trey Tempton. I mean, th- these guys are loaded up at the wide receiver position. And then, again, if you put Vincent Davis, uh, Abanacanda out into formations where they can also catch the ball, it's exciting. And, and so I- I'm jacked up about this offense. The two biggest things, Kelly, you already mentioned one of them, running the football, you've got to do it. You've got to be more balanced. You have to commit to it. You've got to say, we're going to at least try to run the ball. The second thing is just scoring points. That that's really my biggest knock for Kenny Pickett is get the ball in the end zone. You know, I've seen you for three years have, you know, 10, 13, 11 passing touchdowns. I need you to break that 20 mark and get into the end zone and really take that next step as a quarterback. 
Let's talk defense. Now, Pitt's defense last year was nasty. Nasty in all caps. They were really, (laughs) really good against the run. They only gave up 93.5 yards per game. That was third nationally. I mean, you were not running the ball on Pitt. You just flat out weren't. Now, they lose All-American DNs, Patrick Jones, the second, and Rashad Weaver to the league. They do return some important pieces. I remember we had Wes Durham on back in June, and he says, look, Pitt loses guys, but they've got dogs behind those guys. Like, they're going to be fine. Is that how you feel about Pitt? No question about it. Deslin Alexander, my man, I think is going to have a breakout year. Senior at defensive end. I think Kalijah Kansi is going to be fighting for an all-ACC first team, maybe even some all-American teams at the end of the year. Single-digit guy, John Morgan. Uh, you, you look at Devin Danielson, Keyshawn Camp. I mean, they, they're loaded at the position and, and really have great depth at all three phases uh, or all three positions, all four positions on the defensive line to where Pitt just reloads. You know, I, I understand they have dudes and they leave and they're going to be great NFL players, but there's next guys up. That's just what they do. And schematically, Pittsburgh is fantastic on defense. They, they do so many different things, put you in adverse situations to where you don't know where the pressure's coming from. You don't know the twist that you're going to see up on the line of scrimmage. I referenced earlier that I was in the offensive line meeting room and, and they had a situational drill uh, that day that we were at practice where it was third down. And the, the offensive line coach after the meeting said, there's going to be a lot of sacks and it's going to be okay because we're going against the best in the country at what they do. So that's just what they're they're able to bring. Cam Bright at linebacker, Phil Campbell at linebacker, Chase Pine. It's going to be exciting. I think the only question, Mark Kelly, that I have for this pit defense is from the safety position. You lose t- two key guys in Paris Ford and Damar Hamlin that really – you know, just just put you in position, call the defense, or never in the wrong spot. And also, by the way, they're ball players and make huge plays happen. They're both gone. So who's going to step up? Is it going to be a Brandon Hill? Is it going to be a guy that played corner uh, in, in Rashad Battle that has to move to the field safety spot now? Because that's almost the most important position in this defense because it does so much positionally. So if there's a question mark, you know, for this team for this defense. I think it starts right there with who's going to fill into the safety position. But again, looking at linebacker, Servassier Dennis, Phil Campbell, Cam Bright, I'm really excited about what these guys are going to be able to do uh, just from a scheme standpoint on defense. My favorite stat about Pittsburgh last year, and we'll see if they can continue this. This to me just talks about the, the guts, the BYOG nature of Pittsburgh. Pitt allowed an average of three points per game in the fourth quarter last season. Freaky. That is important. And it's important to him. And to me, that's a culture thing too, Mac. And, and that's part of why Pitt is going to be really good again on defense. I tell you what, Coach Narduzzi loves defense. Randy Bates, defensive coordinator, loves to get after it. Coach Charlie, defensive line coach that I think is one of the best in the country in terms of developing talent, putting guys into the NFL – those guys just love it. It's different. Defensive guys are different. They're wired, uh, you know, from all of us, and and love to just create uh, challenges for these offenses. And they're going to have it dialed up. So if you can't tell, guys, I am overly excited about this pit defense and cannot wait to see what they produce out on the field. Okay, Mac. All that being said, we're excited about Pitt. We're excited about the offense being more balanced. We think the defense is just going to reload. 
the win total is only seven. Now, Vegas, oh, Vegas, when you put a win total at seven, to take the over, that means you have to feel very confident about eight and four. Now, when you look at Pitt's schedule, there are some difficult games on this schedule. They draw both Clemson and North Carolina. I know UNC's in their division. They also have a non-conference game in Tennessee early. They have some tough games on the road. How are we feeling about this seven for Pitt? You know, this is a, it's one of those that Pitt, or excuse me, Vegas does a really good job at, that it's this magic number, that seven was kind of the number that I was feeling good about. So if it's six, I'm saying hammer it, hammer the over. Uh, But when it's seven, it's almost like a push situation. I I think there is a path to get to eight wins. Uh, I think that that Tennessee game is going to be really important. The, The Johnny Majors classic, I believe they're calling it now. Uh, is going to be really fun to watch. I think that's a really great opportunity to play those guys early. And, and of course, Tennessee being in, in just a, the cluster that they are, not sure who the quarterback's going to be. You've got players transferring left and right. Should be a really good situation for Pitt to uh, stand tall for the conference uh, and, and themselves in that game. And then you play all these teams at home with, with Clemson, with Miami, with UNC. So you've got a great opportunity there uh, to, to sneak up on somebody and, and to really get these guys on the ropes at your house. So it, it's I think I'm just going to push here, Kelly. I, I think seven is a good number, uh, and, and it's hard to bet either way against these guys. So I'm pushing at seven and think that would be a really solid year for Pittsburgh. The way, and I agree, Mac, but the way I see it, if they can go 4-0 in the non-con, UMass, Western Michigan, New Hampshire, and Tennessee, there's no reason why they should lose at Tennessee. They're a better program than Tennessee at this point. Now, it's in Neyland Stadium. It's going to be packed out. I get that. But they should win that game. Then you just got to go 4-4 four and four in the league, right? And that's very possible. But you got to win at Georgia Tech. You've got to win at Duke. You got to win at Syracuse. Those are all three on the road. And then you got to get another one, whether it's Virginia at home, whether it's Miami or UNC at home. So I think it's very, very doable but a lot of those games are on the road, and that worries me. Yeah, and, and you're going to see experience really play a big part in that. You have a guy in Kenny Pickett that has seen every environment. He, he is not going to be uh, taken aback, surprised, uh, you know, nervous for any environment. So he's going to go to those places and you know, feel really good about getting his offense ready. And again, the defense, the caliber that these guys are going to play at, those are when you want tough road games big-time home games, and that's exactly how this schedule is is uh, shaken out. All right, Mac, we talked about the Panthers. Let's talk about NC State, Come on. the Wolf Pack. <laughs> Head coach Dave Doran, ninth season in Raleigh. That's that's pretty unbelievable. Um, 2020, they went 8-4, and 7-3 and three in the ACC, a very good year, especially with all the injuries they dealt with. Wins over Wake, Pitt, UVA, Duke, Florida State, Liberty, Praise, uh, Q's and Georgia Tech. That was just for the to because they saved the reputation of the ACC. They did lose to Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. Preseason All ACC: Zonovan Knight, running back; Ike Equanwu, offensive tackle; and Peyton Wilson, linebacker. Picked second in the Atlantic Division. Before we get into offense and defense, let's just hit on the win total for a second because I think NC State's win total at six and a half is flat out disrespectful. They return eight starters on offense nine on defense. This team won eight games last year. I think the schedule is a little more difficult than last year, but just looking, and we'll, we'll talk about the schedule later on, but this is a team that I think should be getting a little more respect, Eric McLean. There is no question about it. When I was reading this rundown, Kelly, and I saw 6.5 was their win total, 
I thought it was a different team. I thought we were looking at somebody we had already covered. What are we doing, Vegas? Are you kidding me? These guys are, are going to have a big year. And, and I think that is more than disrespectful. Praise the Lord. None of our producers brought this up about NC State and had that number sitting on our broadcast because those fans would have attacked us, would have destroyed us. And uh, even if we would have said it's going to be way more than that, they would have found a way. But no, no question, NC State hammer the over here. If you're a betting man or woman, you're going to win a lot of money. You heard it here first. This is a Gramlick guarantee. <laughs> oh, I like it. All right. I agree. I agree this is a Gramlick guarantee. So um, I appreciate it. Should we tell them why? Should we Before, tell them why it's going to be all that? <laughs> we can tell them why. Yeah, for sure. I thought you might want to tell us about your trip to Raleigh. Yeah, well, that's part, of the, that's part of the reason. I was um, very jealous. Tuffy was incredible. Uh, basically a, a wolf. I, I do not know the breed Little wolf. of... Um, dog that he is but it i didn't i do know that it is the closest relative to a wolf like it's it's pretty much a wolf it is not a okay it is not a dog <laughs> at all was it a friendly wolf uh yes and no yeah friendly yes it was <laughs> friendly i will tell you there was a little bloodshed on my end after an encounter with tuffy just because of the sharp <gasps> claws and teeth and Wait, what well you know we were playing a little bit and it's just a it's a wolf you got to be careful when you play with a wolf and uh, he scratched you and you bled. Oh, yeah, there, there was bloodshed on my hand. What? That's yeah, not bad. Oh, it's my God. But I do know it, it might be called Eric McLean Stadium, not Carter Finley anymore. Uh, there, there's a pending lawsuit. I'm just kidding. It was fun, though. And, and Tuffy was great. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a massive dog already. I mean, you, we all saw the little cute video NC State put out, and we're thinking that's the dog we're going to see. Little did we know that was recorded like, three months ago and it, it is a not full grown but it's a big dog now and uh you can see the the episode the pictures the video uh katie george is picking up this dog and it's a it's a load i mean she she had to do some work to get that thing off the ground can i tell you my grandma i was talking to her and you know she listens to the pod and she follows everything on twitter and she goes kelly is that a real wolf at nc state <laughs> because that girl was picking up that wolf and I was worried for her. So it's as, it's as real as it gets. Wow. Well, she's going to, she's going to hear this on the podcast that Eric McLean, um, you know, got into a little, little fight with Tuffy scuffle, little, little, scuffle. little scuffle, with, scuffle Tuffy. with Tuffy and bled out. <laughs> I also have some, I, I also have some breaking news. That's sad news. NC state fans don't listen. Uh, the dog's name is not actually Tuffy. What? I know it's all what is and I can't remember what the name was. It's something it's something strange. Uh, but it's not Tuffy. And so we're sitting there, we're trying to record. I know, I feel so betrayed. Uh, we're trying to, you know, do this segment, record a cute little thing with this dog. I'm like, come here, Tuffy. Hey Tuffy, come here. And the dog's blatantly ignoring (laughs) us. Come to find it's not its name. So it's gonna be its mascot name, and everyone will refer to it as Tuffy. But if you're trying to get its attention, it ain't going to work calling it Tuffy. I hope its name is something very basic like Frank or something. Yeah, it, it was. No, it was weird. It was a, it's a weird name. It, it was like a Star Warsy, like Kylo, something of that nature mm. name. Wow. I'll do this some is research. the insight I'll, you I'll get on Graham Lincoln McLean. That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. You will hear this on no other podcast. That's right, KG. All right. Well, let's talk about their offense, Eric McLean. Devin Leary is back. He started three games last year 60% completion, 890 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, four picks in four games. He was great. He was very, very good. Zonovan Knight is back. I mean, you bring back Thayer Thomas, Emeka, Mezzi, Devin Carter. What else could you ask for? You, you're, you've got to be expecting a lot from this offense. 
Well, you you failed to mention the great offensive line, Kelly. What are you talking about? Grant Sorry. Gibson's back. I think one of the best centers in the country. Big, icky at left tackle. He's a freak. And and so I'm going to talk a little bit about the offensive line here, guys, because these two are just nasty. And, and Icky, I think, is going to be a first-round draft pick when it's all said and done. He he loves to finish the play. He loves to pancake guys and, and cause immense pain uh, within the game of football. But off the field, Kelly, he's the nicest guy. And, and he's a little bit of a nerd even. And I love it. And he, he's we just this it. big teddy bear off the field. But on it, I mean, he'll punch you and concave your chest. I mean, that's what this guy is doing. He, he's that good of a player. He's got great feet. He's got a great punch. Uh, a, a little bit at times at the left tackle position, you know, he he was a little bit, you know, unbalanced or overreaching just because he wants to hit you so hard, and that gave up some pressures. But you know, I expect to see him take even another jump, you know, forward this year. He's going to be a guard in the NFL, uh, but the good thing is he's so versatile and, and he can play any position at the next level. He's a smart guy, understands the game, and then Grant Gibson. I, I mean, he just he's a guy that flipped from. Defensive tackle to center, and we know how difficult that is. And and then he started a year after doing that, and now it, as a three-year starter, is one of the best in the country. And the fun thing about being live, Kelly, at these practices and being able to see these guys in person is you get to see kind of the the off the field, you know, kind of leadership things. And both of those guys first in every drill, showing every single person if they made a mistake, they corrected them. Uh, they, they just put them in position to succeed. These young guys, these maybe not quite yet superstars on the offensive line. And it was fun to see that. Sprinting drill to drill, leading the offense into these defensive uh, drills and, and scrimmage, if you will. And, and that was really fun to see. So those two are exceptional. Now we can talk about the skill players. I know everybody wants to hear about that. Uh, I, I think this team really hangs in the balance of the health of Devin Leary. Can he be healthy for the full year, can he be that guy that we saw in three games where he was special? You know, 60% completion, almost 1,000 yards in three games, eight touchdowns. It, it was just really impressive to see that as a starter for the three times that we did last year. And again, seeing how he connects with these guys. Everybody's back. Emeka Mezzi, Thayer Thomas, big Devin Carter, number 88. It, it's just exciting to see all of these guys return on the offensive side of the ball from the receiver position. I think tight end Kelly is going to be a little bit of a question mark. You know, who is going to, you know, really fill in that role that Angeline was able to do, which was a weapon, you know, last year. And I think a really integral piece of this offense, but then the, the running back slot should really pick up. I mean, Zonovan Knight is special. And, and some people think the best running back in this conference, I have him at number two and, and think that he, again, is a difference maker and can really do a lot of things. But the running back core that NC State has, they're going to be able to rotate guys in and really do some special things. And, and another little piece about Zonovan is he had 20 catches last year. Of the two running backs of my top five, only him and Jameer Gibbs had over 20. Those, those guys are difference makers. They're going to get involved in the offense in a bunch of different ways. And so that's why I think NC State fans should be really excited about this offense. I love it. I'm excited to see this offense as well. I think it's going to be explosive. I think it's going to be balanced, which is an underrated quality in my opinion. Um, and Bam Knight, Zonovan Knight, whatever you want to call him, I'm, I'm excited to see how he plays. 
Mac, let's talk defense. I think this defense is going to be really good. You lose a Lee McNeil in the middle. That's kind of your main loss. But this linebacking core, Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas, is that the best linebacking core in the ACC? Yes, for sure. And I think they're going to be one of the best in the country when it's all said and done. These guys are just special. And again, I I know I keep referencing it, and you guys may be rolling your eyes or you may be excited about it. Being able to see in person how these guys react, how they respond, how they communicate in an environment as camp and how important that is, I was overly impressed with Isaiah Moore, who is a very vocal kind of alpha dog. He's the guy. Now, I think Peyton Wilson's the best player on this defense, but Isaiah leads the the front, and he's the guy that you know really is going to be a dominant force. And then Drake Thomas, the other guy, along with Peyton Wilson, they're just a great core. They complement each other really well. Peyton is a you know long, rangy linebacker. Isaiah's kind of the hybrid that can do it all, and then Drake's kind of the punisher. You know, kind of a short, thick guy that's going to hit you right in the mouth. Um, Those guys are special, and I think that what was really the most impressive part of seeing them, Kelly, was just their communication without even having to say anything. I mean, they just knew what each other were going to do, and even if the offense changed or audibled or maybe it was a different look than they expected, they reacted so quickly to it in such uniform uh, you know, just just demonstration. It was impressive to see. So I think that defense is going to be special. I think Daniel Joseph is going to really turn some heads. Uh, the, the defensive end, number 99, just a, a rangy guy, uses his speed and strength really well. And then the inside, you know, who's going to step up? Is it going to be, you know, C.J. Clark? Is it going to be Corey Durden transfer from uh, Florida State to, to really just have some power on that interior defensive line that you know I think is going to be a difference maker. And, and this is the big thing with you know having great linebackers, Kelly, is you only need defensive linemen that take up space, that take up bodies. If you can just hold the offensive line and not let them get to the second level, if you can prevent them from climbing to the linebackers, your LBs are going to feast. They're, they're so athletic. They're so active. If you can just, again, delay that, those guys are going to get around, make tackles for loss, and, and make things happen. So there should be a lot of excitement, a ton of experience, only losing one starter from a year ago on the defensive side of the ball. These guys should be right up in, in there in the conference and maybe even the country when it comes to total defense. Well, and especially in a three-three-five scheme, right? If, you're, if your D lineman up front can just take up space and kind of hold up the That's offense right. a little bit, then your athletes in the linebacking core and the secondary are going to make plays. Year two of this three-three-five scheme for NC State, kind of like another team we talked about in Syracuse, and you're implementing this in a COVID year, and now you have a whole spring and fall to work on it. So I think especially the back half of this NC State defense is just going to be exceptional. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And it's led by Tanner Engel, you know, a guy who is very physical and really, you know, the one thing that he did a little bit was kind of hurt his team with getting these targeting penalties and not being in games. Last year, I think he had three or four, uh, which is really a big number. So he needs to stay in games and, and really be able to uh, you know put on for his team. And, and then again, just the other guys. There's so much depth. If y'all remember two, two years ago now, NC State was wiped out with injury at the defensive backfield and, and really the entire team, to be honest, from time to time. All these guys are grown up now. They're all you know juniors and seniors and fifth-year guys. The depth is going to be there. They're going to be able to rotate guys with so much experience, so much game experience that 
it, it shouldn't be, there should be no miss of a beat when another guy comes in. And I think that's what we're going to see. Quick special teams note, Eric McLean. NC State special teams were very solid last year. Christopher Dunn is back. He's made 83.6% of his field goals, 56 of 67. And Trenton Gill is a very good punter, averaging 44.8 yards per punt. So very solid there. Weirdly enough, NC State was not great in punt coverage last year, allowed five punt returns of 20 or more yards. So that's something to keep an eye on because it's little plays like that in special teams that can change the game. But overall, very solid um, special teams for NC State. And, Mac, I know we, we took a little flack because we made fun of special teams on Twitter. Uh, but still, it's that's a very joke, important. people. It's a joke. It's a and joke. I, you know what? I bet they don't even listen to the podcast. So they wouldn't know that. You oh, should check yeah, it out. Good point. Good point. Okay, <laughs> let's talk win total for NC State. Six and a half. Why is this six and a half? I do not understand. And I think you have sure wins in South Florida, Furman, Louisiana Tech. And I think Mississippi State, you know, that's a tough game on the road. It's kind of like Tennessee. NC State's a better program right now than Mississippi State. But you're on the road in a tough environment. We'll see. And that's the Tennessee game, I mean, for Pittsburgh. Beyond that, you've got Louisville at home, which I think should, should be a win. Syracuse at home. You've got to find a way to win on the road at FSU or at Wake. Um, also at BC, at Miami, you got back-to-back there. So it's a, it's a more difficult schedule than NC State is generally accustomed to, and that's probably why the number is low. But you're still hammering the over here, right, Mac? No no question about it. I, I think NC State fans should feel really good about this schedule, when you're playing people, where you're playing people. I know everybody's excited to have Clemson back on the schedule, maybe not necessarily for a win, but that that's a little bit of a rivalry. And, and those two fan bases love to see each other and love to play each other. So that could be a fun game. And then, of course, ending the season with your rival, North Carolina. You never know where that could go. North Carolina could come into town undefeated, top five in the country, top ten in the country, and that game really mean a lot. They could come in there with a couple of bruises, but throw everything out the window when those two teams play each other because it's a rivalry and you never know which way it could go. So I'm hammering the over. I think 6.5 is disrespectful, embarrassing. You've got to know this team, and you've got to know they're going to win more than than six. So the key for me with State, as I look at their schedule, is you've got to be able to win two or three on the road. I mean, that's the bottom line here. Protect your house, yes, of course. But at Mississippi State, at BC, at Miami, at FSU, at Wake, you got to get two or three of those, and you can't just be good at home and then struggle on the road. That's the key for me when I look at this. That's right. And, and you can't lose to logos, guys. You, you can't just see the Miami. You can't just see the Clemson. You can't just see the Florida State and say, man, those are losses uh, because we never know in this year. And, and especially when you have a team that is going to be as balanced as NC State is going to be, they can be in a lot of games and, and they can win in a lot of different ways. We saw that last year. If you look at their eight wins, you will see eight different kinds of ways to win a football game. So, of course, you want a little bit more consistency, but they've proven it that they uh, that they have it and they can do it in a bunch of different ways. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. Do yourself a favor. Go check out our producer's podcast, Rich Take on Sports. He has a ton of great guests on there, 150 episodes. Can you believe that, KG? You know what? I, I joked about this the other day about we're coming for you, Rich, by the end of football season, Kelly, we will be at like 170, 180. We are what? climbing in a hurry. So, Rich, 
we're coming for you, buddy. But go check out his <laughs> podcast. And that's it, guys, for this episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a review. But until next time, we'll see y'all.